So I'm uh, Nicholas Bornolis again of Capital Link. I'd like to welcome you to uh, a very uh, interesting panel, the panel on entrepreneurship in Greece and on Greek success stories attracting international investors. I would like to thank Apostolos, Apostolakis, for being extremely helpful in terms of putting this panel together. And of course, Jimmy Athanasopoulos for um, moderating it. Before I'd like to thank Thanos, Nikitas, Alexandros, and Kevin, all of you guys for being here. Before turning it over to Jimmy, I'd like to say that um, this panel is of particularly, uh, particular significance to me because I have, I'm also an entrepreneur. So I have lived through the, um, the pain and the commitment and the hard work of uh, building a company. Uh, I'm not trying to position myself as a success story like you are, but at least in terms of hard labor, I have been there. And uh, so I'm really very happy to see this particular topic of Greek startups that have grown, have become internationally recognized and attracted significant uh, investment. Uh, so thank you to everybody and Jimmy and the floor is yours. But by the way, thank 22, you so much. 22 years and uh, having Kyriakos on the previous day, I think that counts as a success, right? Yeah. Yeah. So good evening and good afternoon for those in New York. Good evening for those in Greece, Athens. Uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, the, the distinguished panel uh, gives me an honor to be here and moderate, be moderate, the moderator of this panel. So involved wearing the, the involved hat. Uh, I, I can say that Involve is one of the nine social programs of the Libra Group Social uh, Responsibility Division. And uh, there, these are nine social programs and the common denominator of these uh, social programs is giving back to the community and provide, of course, support to those that need it the most. We do it through a series of nine managed programs and initiatives which are broadly linked to the themes of community support and assisting people who have been denied or have limited opportunity. The recession Greece experienced was one more barrier or maybe that opportunity for Greeks to venture out and really make a difference in Greek business. Since entrepreneurship is the lifeblood of uh, our economic futures, involved through its three pillars of support, um, propels very much, you know, the very much needed of start startups as a vital ecosystem of an economy. At times like this, it is all too easy to focus on how we can mitigate the immediate effects of the global crisis. How can we change or adapt our businesses? How can we take advantage of government support, for instance? But beyond this, there is one factor that will look, that will define our long-term economic prospects and truly enable us to look ahead with confidence, which is the main theme of this panel and this event. We need look no further than today's startup and early stage businesses. The entrepreneurs who had the courage and the confidence to take the risk and start something new, just when others were looking at ways to, to avoid that risk. In this panel, we see how Greece has been a relentless source of innovation and commercial courage, firstly, through our own economic crisis, and now amid a global pandemic. Greek entrepreneurs are an example for other nations to follow, a beacon that should be a natural attraction for inward investment. Evolve, as an organization that also runs a national entrepreneurship award program, is lucky to have a business startup barometer at its own fingertips. We know from the number of applications for the Involve Award each year that Greek entrepreneurs do not give up and they do not let up. For them, a crisis is merely a challenge requiring a solution. As mentioned, Libra truly believes strongly in the twin values of hope and opportunity. 
Many of our programs aim to create an environment in which bright young people can develop skills and knowledge while working closely with leaders like my, my fellow panelists, knowledge and skill in the chosen field they have attained. Investing in the community is not just a matter of paying back with the fruits of commerce. It is good business in its own right because a community with hope and opportunity is one better equipped to contribute, contribute to, uh, in tomorrow's world. Gentlemen, again, it's an honor to have you next to me digitally. And I have a series of questions. However, let's get to business. Kevin, the Greek market is an undoubtedly a very small one for a startup to really scale up. Can Greek startup founders be ambitious enough to scale up and expand internationally? Should scaling up internationally be the norm? And the, your view is gonna be unbiased and uh, very objective before we talk to the, my fellow Greek Americans. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, very happy to be here. Uh, I've been going to Greece uh, for 25 years and then the last several years been involved with Blueground. And I've, I've been to Athens to visit the company and so started to learn more about the Greek entrepreneurial market as well and been super positive. So I think there's enormous potential here. And the reason I think there's more potential, and I am the only biased person on, unbiased person on this panel, uh, is that uh, the cost of engineering and the cost of talent in Greece is quite low relative to New York, where I come from, or other places, yet the talent level is very high. And so that's a fantastic combination. Uh, so the, the truth is there have been fewer opportunities for some Greeks over the last 15 years, depending on how the economy was doing. Many of them went to London, to other places. Many are coming back now. And so I think there are big opportunities. They've been educated in Greece or educated abroad. And so I think that there's, we're gonna see more companies like Blue Brown that start in Greece, start in the local market, but then expand uh, in, into Europe, the United States, to the world. So look, some companies should be local, some should be focused. If you're a media company, maybe you're focused on the Greek market, but there will be other software companies, there'll be other services companies that are started in Greece and become very successful. And so can you hire you know, a million workers for your company like Amazon? No, but can you build up a thousand person company uh, in, you know, in, in Greece? Absolutely. And so I'm very optimistic. A fascinating view, Kevin. Sorry to go back. Can you please give us a, a, a very brief introduction of yourself before we go to Alexandros uh, for his introduction and his uh, views on this? Sure. Sorry, I should have done that. So uh, I, for 25 years, I've only been starting companies and doing some investing. So my internet career started in 96, uh, launching a company called DoubleClick. Uh, had thousands of people. was sold for billions of dollars to Google in 2008. Since then, I've started other companies like MongoDB, which is a publicly traded database company that's now worth $20 billion. I started a company called Business Insider, which is the largest business news site in the world, and 12 other companies, uh, many of whom are smaller because they've started the last couple of years. And then I'm also an early stage investor in, uh, in companies. So I have investments in 30 different companies. Um, so in, we invest over a four or five year period, about $200 million of my money into companies mostly in New York, but increasingly around the world and hopefully more in Greece. Absolutely. Uh, just a remark, uh, you said that uh, in your beginning remarks on your introduction, you said something about uh, some investing, and then I heard a $20 billion uh, uh, valuation. So humbleness, as uh, our leader, George Lopetti says, is a trait of the great. So uh, Alex, thank you so much for your views. Um, uh, Kevin, let's go to Alexandros. Alexandros. 
and a brief introduction of yourself, please. And then your views on my first question, I can, I can always uh, uh, repeat that. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, really excited and honored to be part of the panel. Um, and also, it's been really great to work with Kevin. He's been fantastic to Blueground. So my background is I'm the co-founder and CEO of Blueground. Blueground is a prop tech company. We started in Greece, um, and since then we've come, uh, what do we think is a long way. We offer beautifully designed apartments for stays of a month or longer. We now have about 3,500 apartments in 12 cities around the world. That includes United States, Europe, and Middle East. Uh, it is our jurisdictions. We raised more than 78 million in, in equity financing. And uh, yeah, and I think that's, that's one example, as we were saying before, of a company starting in Greece, but uh, becoming international. Before starting the business, I worked as a consultant with McKinsey for about six and a half years. Five of them, I was traveling around the world, and that was where the inspiration for the company um, originated. Uh, because I, I stayed in hotels, I stayed in different apartments, and I didn't really find a good solution. Um, it was very costly and not ideal. So uh, that, that, that's the background. That's my background, the background of the business. Looking forward, you know, we still feel that we're really, really early days. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, more growth uh, to, 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 to achieve many different cities and different countries to launch going forward. So that's the background. Um, in terms, I just want to add to Kevin's point, obviously the, the lower cost and the availability of really strong talent is really important. And that's something that we also experienced in, in, in Blueground. And I think that was important because uh, with the same amount of capital as other players in the space, we're able to do three to four, uh, to be three to four more times capital efficient. So we, we went much further along and that was really uh, acknowledged and really valued by the investors that participate in our later. So that was an important thing to take note. The fact that you can do much more with less. Another two more points I would like to add is, the first one is around starting from a smaller market like Greece can actually be uh, beneficial. Uh, and why is that? Because Athens, in our case, where we launched, is a, a less competitive market than some of the bigger markets. So it's easier to capture initial market share, but also to, uh, to attain market literacy. And that typically leads to faster market profitability. And that gives additional confidence to the business and to investors to continue supporting the business as it's, as it's scale. And it's actually something that, and, and Kitas can, can chip in on that, but in the US, many uh, American startups start with, in smaller cities, secondary and tertiary cities, in order to achieve uh, to, to achieve uh, some kind of good position in the market, develop the product, and then expand elsewhere. So I think that's another point to add. And um, and I think one more point in terms of uh, uh, why Greece is a good market is because exactly with a small market, we have to think of international expansion early on. So we expanded really early on, and that we build the business and we build the organization in a way that can expand in several places faster. So that is another couple of points just to add to Kevin's point. Alexandre, thank you so much. Um, that was very clear, and we know that uh, with you know the investors' help and support, uh, Apostolos, Kevin, and uh, uh, a bunch more, uh, you have uh, really made it happen. I'll come back to you in a second. Thanos, a short, brief, you know, brief uh, intro of yourself and uh, what is your view? You're calling from Athens, right? Thank you, Jimmy. First of all, um, <clears throat> thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure to be here. My name is Thanos Papagelis. I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO of Epignosis. Um, personally, I have an engineering background and I consider myself a, a creative person. So I would say uh, that I approach 
entrepreneurship as a way to express my, my creativity. It might be different from, from other people. The company I co-founded, Epignosis, is a, is a software company. We are building um, educational technology software. In essence, we are helping companies, mid-sized companies, to train their people in, um, in a more efficient way. Uh, we are currently having over 8,000 customers around the globe. 60% of them are based in the United States, but we also have many customers in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, in, and in most countries, actually, in the world. Just to give you an idea, in Greece, we have just 20 customers. So the, the, the company is, by definition, an international company. Um, so for the biggest part of the company life, we were not uh, backed by any VC. It was mostly friends and family and um, a small income stream. So that created the DNA around a good unit economics. And that, that, has, that helped us actually create a company that, that scale is profitable, uh, which is not very common actually. Um, since 2017, we started having a lot of international leaders from VCs and PEs around the world, and we completed two rounds actually of financing from two US-based uh, PE firms, one of which is uh, Inside Ventures. In total, we have raised a bit over um, $58 million. So around your question, I would say that um, for me personally, it's not impossible actually to create a big business. Um, a substantial tech business in Greece. For example, there are a few examples. Um, the e-commerce aggregators groups have, have done it, has created a big business in Greece. Um, however, in most cases, the safe size of the, of the market here in Greece, it's not sufficient to build a big business. Um, traditionally, Greek entrepreneurs were afraid of scaling outside the Greece because it was conceived uh, uh, very dangerous and uh, with a lot of complexity. And it, it might be easier actually to do business with local uh, networks and local government. However, my experience at least is that it's possible actually. It's, it's less complex than initially someone believes. Assuming we have a good product and um, you have a good market, uh, a good go-to-market strategy, it is possible to create a product that can grow internationally and attract customers it's easier currently than ever before, actually, due to internet. Internet has turned the, the whole world to a small village, and things that could not be happened a few years ago currently is, is possible. Excellent. Apostole, um, you have many, many gems in your portfolio. One of those is Blue Ground and many, many more. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, lastly successful one in terms of time. But what is your view about the Greek market? Is it, is, is it small? Uh, should international scaling be the norm? Yes, um, just a quick summary of uh, my background. So I was an entrepreneur first in the tech space, um, first e-commerce, then e-marketplaces, the food delivery doctor patient marketplace. Gradually became an angel investor. Uh, and after the sale of eFood uh, in 2015, uh, we launched the first venture friends, the first venture capital fund in Greece from, with private money, 20 million fund. And then we raised the second fund, uh, Venture Friends, in 2018, uh, 50 million euros. We had the honor and privilege to back some great founders like Alexandros or John from InstaShop and, and others. Um, and uh, we, we plan to continue doing that by raising our third fund. So that's about my story. Um, so answering your question, uh, clearly, 
I think it has been already uh, been raised as a point that Greece is a small market. You can only few businesses can reach like a certain size by addressing the local market, maybe food delivery, which is like a very big market or uh, price comparison. Scrooge is another actually successful example of, of, a, of a US investment uh, from CVC. But uh, the fact that Greece is as it is clearly pushes people to, to think internationally, think globally and launch an international business. What we had up to now, and Thanos alluded to it, was probably a risk adversity on some part of, of, the, of, of the founders. So some founders thought it's very hard to launch an international business. Um, maybe they didn't have the successful case studies that Thanos, Alexanos, and some other great founders have provided, uh, also workable in the past or, or beat. I think there is a shift in the mentality, uh, in, in the drive that people have. And the fact that they can see that many companies have made it makes it more possible uh, and, and such, uh, induces more people, more founders to go after it. So yes, th they can, they should, and they are. Many founders are thinking globally from day one. And that's why I'm also very optimistic because we will see more and more of those successes in the future. Excellent. And I think the contribution of people like you, Kevin Ryan, Nikitas and uh, Thanos to the ecosystem, to people like Alexandros, uh, who have, who, who, uh, with whom we have been working closely the last five years, uh, is, uh, I mean, uh, unfathomable of value, uh, is value adding, generally speaking, and uh, nothing would have happened without your contribution. So thank you so much for that, for all of you. And Nikitas, last but not least for this question, what is your view about the Greek market after you give us a brief uh, intro about yourself and your background. Sure, and thank you for having me. Um, I was born and raised in Piraeus. I moved to the US when I was 18, um, primarily because I was the only person in Piraeus who was a Panathinaikos fan, so I had to leave. <laughs> um, we're, out I, time, uh, uh, we're out of time, Nikita. We're out of time, Nikita. I, um, I started at McKinsey, uh, started a tech company after business school and joined Insight Partners uh, back in 2001. Um, I spent the first decade at Insight um, building and co-running the part of the firm that helps our portfolio post-investment, which is now about 70 people, and, uh, and the second decade focusing on, uh, on deals. Um, at Insight, uh, Insight has about 33 billion under management at the moment. Uh, about 500 companies uh, in our history, which is 25 years, uh, about 280 companies in the portfolio today. Um, and the way we find these companies is we have about 25 to 30,000 conversations every year, out of which we have about two to 3,000 serious conversations, out of which we find about 40, 45 investments to make directly and another 50 to 60 companies that we purchase on behalf of another portfolio company. So the funnel is, is, is quite large and, uh, and very thin at the bottom. Um, and we track companies, we're geographically agnostic. So we will look at companies globally as long as they, they meet kind of the, the growth profile um, uh, for software that we, that we uh, invest in. Um, and I would say that you know, five, six years ago, Greek companies were few and far between. Uh, a decade ago, they were almost non-existent in our funnel. Um, 
uh, our first investment in the Greek company was um, was a pignosy in um, uh, almost exactly two years ago. But the funnel is also increasing. The number of Greek companies that that shows up uh, in our pipeline meetings is increasing, which says something about the uh, the ecosystem and what it's done to uh, to promote entrepreneurship. Um, I think other panelists have have mentioned that the kind of the structural advantages. Um, I would add that turning the disadvantages on their heads uh, also makes uh, a big difference. It's because of the crisis that a lot of people turn into making company into, into entrepreneurship um, in the first place, not just as founders but as as uh, as members of the team. It's because of the crisis that companies had to be leaner than they are in Silicon Valley because there was not enough money to go around. But the resulting quality of companies, I think, is excellent, uh, which is why we've, we're um, extremely active in the um, uh, in the market and trying to build relationships with firms like um, Venture Friends so that we become kind of the, the next uh, stage in the development of, uh, of these types of, of growth stage companies enable them to grow outside. Um, but I do think that both because of a lot of hard work uh, and because of structural advantages, the, uh, the ecosystem is, is quite strong today and becoming stronger. Thank you so much, Nikitas. That was very clear. And um, if I may uh, add something here, is that uh, the common denominator of all uh, the fellow co-panelists is uh, humbleness. You have achieved a lot. You have a, an amazing track record, beginning with you, Kevin, and Nikita Fano, uh, Alexandro Apostole. Uh, I'm humbled by your uh, humbleness yourself. Uh, Kevin, humbly speaking, you said something about uh, a 20 billion, one 20 billion uh, dollar company, you said about 30, 40 uh, ventures, startups that you have uh, put on uh, on a orbit of success. How did you do it? We, we have many startups and many entrepreneurs out there uh, uh, in the audience right now that would love to know what's the, what's, what's a recipe of success. How, how did you make it happen? Well, first of all, you know, between the age of 32 and 41, I was involved with one company, uh, DoubleClick, and I got very lucky because that company did extremely well. And I learned a lot because there was a first four years, crazy success went from zero to 2000 employees in 25 countries in four years from a standing start. That's the good part. The second part is then it, uh, we uh, fired a thousand people over the next two and a half years when the internet bubble collapsed, the stock went from $130 down to $5. And so there's a lot of learnings there as well. And then it came back and we sold it successfully. I used that, in, that everything I had learned, good and bad, over those nine years. And there were many mistakes we made and obviously many things went well and started to apply that with some pattern recognition on other startups. And so in 2007, I started a few companies, worked with them, and then only in the last five years, I've accelerated this and just tried to learn from, you know, when you're, when you're old like I am by this point, you try and use some of the experience uh, and scars you have on your back and try and try and do a better job. And I think, you know, not everything works, but a lot of things are working. And it's also been very lucky because the last 25 years has been an incredible period in technology, in startups, in capital formation, and being in the United States was a good place to be. Now I think that's gonna move and success is gonna be in places like Greece, uh, in Poland, in uh, Southeast Asia, in other countries. More growth will occur there. So uh, if I may take something from that out of that is uh, move forward in confident in a, in a confident fashion, work tirelessly, so hard work, 
uh, and uh, learn from your mistakes. Would you uh, agree on, on these? Uh... Yeah, and also you know, there's building relationships too, because over time you build a reputation of either being nice to work with or not. Uh, either people have worked for you, people worked with you, partners, and over time that can help you or hurt you. And so hopefully that's gone well for me. Uh, I have a lot of repeat people I've worked with more than once, uh, repeat partners. Um, just and trying to keep learning because obviously the uh, the framework today is very different than 15 years ago. Types of businesses, the trends, things like that. So you have to keep learning, keep adapting, keep reading, and realize that you're always going to make some mistakes. You're like a professional athlete. You're gonna you're gonna make a bunch of mistakes, but uh, if you do better than other people, you'll end up okay. Thank you so much. Very clear. So helpful. Uh, going the other way around, uh, and since I'm humbled uh, of Kevin and all of you, but Kevin is the only non-Greek in uh, in uh, the room. Uh, Nikita, may I go to you now? Um, and I have a question for you, um, a specific one targeted for you. Uh, Scale-ups are on the most difficult part of the journey, turning initial viability into exponential growth and long-term success. A decision can mean flight or free fall. What is your advice for the Greek startups? We need that. You make it sound very dramatic. Um, the, <laughs> I, would, I would actually argue that, um, uh, yeah, it's hard to scale a company. Um, there is, you know, our, our portfolio is made out of people who, um, you know, a lot of people who wake up every day and saying, I've never run the company this big before. Uh, and that kind of sense, uh, part of it is humility, but part of it is recognizing that you cannot do it alone. The, the, perhaps because I don't do early stage investing the way um, Apostolos does, um, I, have, I actually think that that early uh, stage is, is harder because the, uh, first of all, the success rate is even lower than the, than the growth stage. Um, and there's much less patent recognition. We, as a firm, focus in growth stage software companies precisely because there is patent recognition. We can take something that is, you know, that I don't mean to trivialize, it is very hard, but help people do it because we've seen the movie before. Um, there's a lot of principles to follow, obviously, in the in early stage as well. But as things scale up, things become more um, uh, replicable. You can, you can take lessons from one company and apply them in the other. They do not have to be doing the exact same thing. Um, and you can build, you know, uh, investing uh, firms around these types of principles so that the fact that you're investing actually affects the odds of success beyond what your capital does. Clear. Thank you so much. That's so, so useful. And uh, uh, I mean, uh, the risk is so high in smaller companies. However, we've seen that it's possible, it's feasible. People say it's one out of 11 one out of a hundred in the earlier stages. Uh, we've seen that it's a lot better in the Greek startups. However, scalability is a question. And speaking of uh, support- I'm sorry, on that uh, point, it's, and, and it relates a lot to, what's, um, to what Kevin just said. It's also important to understand that failure is also something that sometimes you cannot control part of the game and not the end of the game. And coming from, um, you know, I hope that as the ecosystem involves, uh, evolves the, the the social price of entrepreneurial failure actually decreases down to zero. Um, so many people, I mean, Kevin's story at uh, DoubleClick, although DoubleClick was a larger company, but you have to deal with it as part, that, that does not mean the game's over. Um, 
uh, there's many more iterations to come if you've built the right team around you, the right principles, and you work hard. Focusing on Greece, I would say that uh, pride versus failure are two uh, opposite concepts. So we're working on that. Uh, and now the next question is uh, for Thanos. Thanos, company cultures. We know the company culture of Facebook. I mean, we've, we've read, we've heard of it. We know the company culture of, of uh, Google, Apple. We have heard um, amazing stories about the company culture of Blue Ground under the leadership of Alexandros, uh, Taxi Beat, Beat Now, um, uh, eFood. How are good company cultures created and how these affect the startup's future, per se? Culture is a tough question. And uh, personally, I have struggled a lot around that in the past. Um, it's also an, an important topic and becomes more important as the company grows. Um, when you think around culture in a concrete way, it becomes obvious that it's something that already exists. Even if you have not taken the time to write it down or to formalize it, it is about the collective moral values of the people in the company, how you treat people and customers, how your preference around conflicting priorities. In, it, in essence, it's about people's DNA and how compatible this DNA is with, with founders. Founders are very important because they give the tone. So for me, at least, culture boils down to two things. Um, you need to hire uh, wisely, hire people with high moral standards with which you share the same view around life and business. And uh, B, you need to lead by example. It's not what you are saying, it's what you are doing. If you are not treating customers with respect, you cannot expect your people to treat them uh, with respect. A good culture leads um, to a good, um, to a healthy environment where people see opportunities and where um, meritocracy prevails. Um, that leads, in my opinion, to more loyalty to people that stay with you for many years. And that translates to a bigger probability of success. I believe that people that work together for, for many years uh, start having a kind of superpower. They, they communicate easier, decisions become faster, and trust is increased. So a good culture leads to loyalty, which leads to bigger probability of success. Clear. That was clear. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Apostole. Uh, let me... Apostle? Yeah, yeah. Here you are. So, Apostle, although Blue Ground is one of the Greek and European ecosystems' favorites as a gem, as, a, as an amazing company, part of your portfolio uh, was and is InstaShop. InstaShop was acquired for 300, 360 million US dollars, the largest deal for a Greek startup. What is your right recipe uh, for a successful startup in Greece. Did you use money and funds smartly or was this smart money? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> InstaShop is a, is a rare example of a company that didn't really use a lot of money. So they just raised $7 million and within five years created a $360 million company. So clearly they... Um, they were very efficient about. They, they, they clearly learned something from the Greek uh, paradigm because one of the key things about starting from a smaller ecosystem is that you're frugal, you're scrappy, 
you're making the best use of uh, what you have. So in general, the recipe for any startup, I think most people can relate to what are the requirements for a startup to be successful. Uh, additionally, for, for a company started from Greece, it, there are three cases, by the way, to, just to be clear. There's, there's one case like Blue Ground. So you start in Greece, you test the market, and then you go internationally. There's the case of Thanos, Epignosis, where you start global from day one. Uh, Epignosis or Workable are good examples of companies that started from Greece. They built a product and they start selling a software as a service product. And then there's the case of a Greek team that launches in a new market where there is higher compatibility with the same specific product, like Instashop. They launched in Dubai from day one. In, in the cases where you launch directly internationally, then you already have this sense of urgency. Uh, you understand you're competing already at a global scale. So one extra thing to, to be considered, and it's, it's a prerequisite for success if you're starting in Greece, uh, because starting in Greece and catering to the local market can make you a bit complacent. You don't see the competition right away. So you need to maintain that sense of urgency you need to keep that bar high in terms of the people you hire, how you develop your product. Um, and, and this is very important. Blue Ground is a great example of a company that had a very high standard from day one. So they, they naturally launched international markets and they were able to do well uh, by keeping that, uh, that high standard. But um, uh, generally speaking, as a Greek founder, you, you have to be more persistent you have to try harder. You have to prove a bit more uh, once you, when, when you're trying to raise more funding. So I think that's a disadvantage, but also an advantage. It builds character in the process. That's so clear. Uh, and uh, both uh, Blueground and Instashop are our favorites as well. And Volve is part of uh, Blueground and vice versa. And I have a question from uh, the audience. Uh, may I? which may I take. Uh, so from uh, George Kudriotis. Hi, I am a Greek American who has started a rapidly growing business in Atlanta, Georgia. After further expansion here, I would like to consider expanding to Greece. Could you commend, could you commend on moving into Greece, how to navigate regulations, et cetera? Are these services that help entrepreneurs move, move into, are there services that help entrepreneurs move into Greece? Um, I mean, I, I think can, it, I can yes. quickly answer that. Uh, I think it, clearly it's also difficult to start to start uh, and navigate uh, things in Greece. And I can tell you because we started uh, companies like ten years ago. Um, in essence, uh, apart from the, the small bureaucracy of setting up a company, then everything is very very easy, right? So it's not like a complicated thing, especially if you're a Greek American. I'm sure you know somebody in Greece who can give you an extra hand, but. Uh, it, it's not so difficult to, to do that. Absolutely. Uh, before I go ahead and open uh, the floor to, uh, to more interaction, I should uh, uh, mention something to uh, the organizers. I have received uh, several remarks about the diversity of this panel. And although uh, all of you guys are successful, uh, uh, we have been receiving these comments about diversity, as I said. Uh, so. Uh, since uh, the same comments were made last June uh, uh, under a different uh, a theme, it was a CSR panel, I think. Um, please, next time, consider bringing and inviting uh, the so many, you know, many, we have many, many Greek uh, or Greek American or why not international 
uh, ladies, successful ladies in entrepreneurship as well. So please consider inviting them as well. Uh, this, uh, no offense to the panelists, I had to bring this to your attention, uh, Nicolas and Olga, uh, because there was uh, uh, a, a, a number of uh, questions and remarks and comments made for this. And I know that the Capital Link is uh, uh, a very, very diverse company itself. And frankly, one of the things we have learned being uh, in, in the US is we live in a very diverse society and we, we love it. Let's uh, also convert that into, into invitations for keynote uh, speakers and speakers and panelists. Thank you so much. Uh, Alexander, uh, Apostole, what would you ask Kevin as a, as a co-investor, as an investor, a fellow investor, uh, about Greece, about uh, trends, outlooks, uh, about startups, generally speaking? So what would I ask Kevin about Greece? Yes, yes. Let's make this interesting. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think I should really ask you, uh, yes. because you know more about Greece than I do, about this, the fundamental trends you're seeing in the Greek market that we may not be aware of. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I think Greece, it's not that it's so separated or isolated from the rest of the world. I think the basic uh, startup themes, themes that we, we see in other uh, regions are also happening in Greece. Um, we probably are a bit more skewed currently towards B2C uh, startups uh, starting up, but we have uh, great examples of B2B companies at B2B in the B2B space like Epignosis or Workable and many more starting up. Um, I think I, what I would start, I would ask Kevin, it's not about the trends in Greece. It, it would be about what he has, he has seen and why he would be uh, bullish uh, about the Greek ecosystem, which he, he already alluded to earlier, and whether he has other ecosystems to compare Greece with, other peripheral ecosystems in Europe, maybe, that he has uh, yeah. seen. Look, I think one thing we're seeing across the board is uh, startup activity is actually increasing in every single country. There is no country where it's going down. The surprises looking at Europe has been that Berlin 15 years ago, no one thought of as a startup center and now is really one of these startup centers. And you can operate there, you know, in English, which brings in people from Hungary, from Romania, from all over, which has been great. The French ecosystem is growing quite nicely. Uh, they're probably the most aggressive in supporting companies and giving money to the banks and creating funds. And I don't know if, if Greece has done that, but France has done that pretty aggressively. UK has the obvious advantage of a lot of uh, money there and financing. You know, Italy has been a real laggard. So, uh, you know, for a country of over 60 million people, it has surprisingly few great startups. And Spain is sort of in the middle. We're seeing, you know, Barcelona is becoming a startup center. It's a place, by the way, that Athens shares. It's a place that people want to live. And that's a big, that's a big plus. And so you're starting to see more international people moving to Barcelona. And at the end of the day, if you want to truly be a startup center, you need to attract people who are not from your country. And that's hard in Europe. Berlin has done that. Barcelona is doing a little bit. I think Athens is doing that a little bit, but, but could do more over time. I think the government is working on that as we speak. Uh, I have a question for um, uh, Alexandra. Good evening, everyone. It is an honor being here. My question is for Mr. Alexandra Sanzileferio. Why the team execution of a company is more important than the main idea? Sure. Um, I think if you ask uh, the investors in the panel, they would tell you that they would rather invest in a great team with an average idea rather than an average team with a great idea. The reason uh, for that is, especially in the early days, 
um, for a startup to become successful, it's very common to pivot and, and, and change directions and do different things depending on what they find in the market until they find what we call the product market fit. So when you have a great team that does that executes really, really well, yeah, you can be confident that they will make the adjustments necessary and they will do what's needed to be successful. So you bet on, 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 on the great team that can deliver great the very good execution that will lead to success in the long run. Excellent, thank you so much. Uh, the, the questions are pouring. Uh, Maria Gabriella, uh, what is your crisis management basic strategy? How do you respond to crisis with the pandemic, recession, et cetera? And I think uh, Nikita, you, uh, you, you must have a, a very, very interesting uh, answer to this you question. Mean, you allow me, uh, because we're out of time, let's address this question quickly. And I, uh, yes, thank you, thank you so much, Nicolas. I apologize that I have to- Summarize it for me real quick, I didn't catch it. So, uh, Contingent crisis management. Uh, how do you approach crises uh, in your uh, in your company? What, what is what, what is a good strategy for dealing with crises like the pandemic, like recession, etc.? Um, I think it's building the business to be resilient from day one. So it's not trying to find an answer once the crisis has started, but creating contingencies, hedging risk, and more importantly, perhaps um, being extremely focused on strategy. Um, if you do one thing and you do it extremely well, then you can deal with adversities a lot better than having many, uh, many balls in the air when something happens. That's, uh, and, uh, you know, it also gets connected to, uh, to what Alexa just said, that if you have the right folks on the team, if you have world-class people um, surrounding you, it's just a function of who can do what and who can help you manage anything. So the, the quality of your collaborators is critical. Excellent. Uh, my sincere apologies for all the questions that are pouring in. I won't have time to, we won't have time to, re to respond to them. Uh, may I uh, please thank you all for your contribution to this discussion. Kevin, thank you so much for vouching for Greek economy. This government is doing a lot. Nicholas, thank you for the panel. Nikita, Thanno, uh, Alexandre, and of course, Apostolos, who uh, contributed a lot to this, uh, to the creation of this panel. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. 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 Thank you.